1: Good evening, Mr. Real. How are you doing, X-Men? I am doing great. Thank you. You should be wearing this T-shirt. You're really the X-Man among
2: us. Yeah, well, yeah. So I, I appreciate the uh, the nudge there. Um, first off, to you, appreciate you as uh, the host, uh, co-host the show. And we have a lot of fun doing this. Um, you've got the show planned for tonight. I want to make a few announcements before we get started. Uh, first one is last week uh, I hung up on a gentleman. When he was making some jokes about Joseph Smith's polygamy and thinking that Joseph was a really cool guy, and he was making some kind of sexual references to what he was doing with some of the women at the time, and uh, I just want to note, you know, there was a mixed um, perception of whether that was a good thing I did or whether it was a bad thing. I want to acknowledge that, uh, you know, maybe we the right thing to do was to just slow down and have a talk with Brandon and to communicate about what he was trying to get at and to maybe share my two cents that I didn't find it. Uh, super appropriate. And uh, I think you said you've talked to him off the air and you kind of knew where he was going afterward, like he it shared with you where he was going in his uh, comment. But I want to just note for listeners first off, as you pointed out with him, there's a lot going on over here behind the scenes. I've got this Roadcaster uh, Pro uh, device that's got about 57 buttons on it. I've got uh, videos and other things we're doing. I'm manning the phone calls. The review was mixed. There were about four men who shared that they were uh, frustrated that I had ended the call uh, early by hanging up on him. There were four men who reached out to me after the show who said, good job. Like, glad you did that. That was the right thing to do. There were 10 women about who messaged me after the show and said that was the right move to do to hang up on him. And there was one woman who was relatively neutral. She said, I wouldn't have done it, but I could see why he did it, and I don't think anybody should be upset that he did. And uh, I just want to know that me personally, and I know that you and I differ on this. There's times where I've been on the call with a phone call too long and you felt like it should have been shorter. There are other times where I thought it should have been shorter and you thought it should have gone longer. So we don't always agree either.
1: Usually when I think it's going too long, you'll see me doing this.
2: Yeah. And sometimes we're making looks at each other if the call is just way off base. Um, But I want to know that when we're making jokes about – we're having trouble streaming to Facebook, so something's going on. I don't know if you might want to jump over to YouTube. Sorry if uh, if something happened over there. I'm going to try to.
1: Yeah, you go ahead and take care of that. Let me jump in and say that uh, it was his name is Brandon. It was Brandon yeah. one because another Brandon called in after that that the second Brandon was one you didn't hang up on, but Brandon one uh, messaged me on Facebook and we talked back and forth and I asked him what it was, the point he was getting to, which I think was a valid point. It's just the way he was getting there was a little bit questionable. And I explained to him about you uh, spending all these plates and we have no screening for the calls. We have no delay as far as what's being said, it goes out as soon as it's said. So we have to try and be very careful of that. And he understood completely and seemed very, um, understanding about it. And uh, so hopefully everything's good there with Brandon.
2: Yeah. And so just my note is that when we're making jokes and the jokes have to do with, to some degree, the sexual abuse of or misconduct towards a certain gender, or if we're talking about humor that is pointed towards a certain race, I I personally think we should always err on the side of uh, when we're making light of That group, if that group is predominantly uh, hurt by uh, what we're saying, then maybe we've got something better to do, uh, something better to communicate. So if we're saying things and people of color are deeply frustrated by something we're saying, or if women are deeply frustrated with something that's going on, I I think we ought to pay more attention to the folks that were making light of their trauma uh, rather than give the benefit of the doubt to the folks who maybe don't understand that trauma. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, our goal is to explore, to have a good time. Our goal is never to be offensive to any group or uh, top leadership of the church, maybe. Yeah. But other than that, no.
2: And and also just note that uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to get in really quickly, which is um, uh, Thrive is coming up this Sunday. Uh, You and I are going to be there. We're both giving uh, talks. Do you know which one of us speaks first? I know we're in the morning. I'm number one with a bullet baby on the whole program, and then you come after me. So I'm number two after you. You are number two. Good. And then, um, <laughs> and, and by the way, take a few extra minutes. I'll, I'll, Mine will probably be a couple minutes shorter. So Sorry for the bathroom humor there, folks. And uh, also then there's the debate on Saturday night, the evening before. Uh, would yes. you mind giving the time and the address for that?
1: I thought we were, we were going to talk about that during the Maybe last later. half of tonight's show in complete detail. And we'll have perfect. lots of fun with that. Okay. And uh, we're going to talk about some misinformation or disinformation i'm not sure which that midnight mormons have been putting out in the past week it's really been sort of ratcheting up
2: yeah and then the last thing is we've got a goal to raise twenty thousand dollars this year through youtube for mormonism live and for our youtube channel mormon discussion incorporated and we're up to thirteen uh we've got about a month a little over a month and a half left maybe what six shows left and uh, we'd like to try to get to that 20,000 if we could. Uh, I hate asking for donations, but it is the way that we move forward. It's the way that we grow this thing. It's the way that we build it so that we can all spend more time creating dynamic content for you. And so, if any of you are able or willing, uh, if you would donate on uh, just to the right of this video that you're watching on YouTube and send a few bucks our way, we would much appreciate it. Otherwise, RFM, the show is yours, and I will chip in
1: where. Uh, Where need be. Well, thank you. The first part of tonight's show is something that uh, was presented by a listener who emailed both of us with some documents related to the recent incorporation or reincorporation of the LDS church. And we're not going to go through all of them. I have all four of the documents that were sent to me. These have all been filed in the last year or two. And what has happened is a couple of things. We'll go over just a little bit of them. I don't want to get bogged down in the legal language of the documents, but here's what's happened is that the, um, well, first off, I think we all understand that historically, at least since 1923, I believe it is there has been a corporation of the church that is titled the corporation of the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day saints. And some people have made that into an acronym, but that's been the one of the corporations of the church, which has actually been a holding company for a number of other companies and corporations that the church owns and manages. Well, there's been, let me uh, stick with that for right now. Okay. There's two parts of this. The first part is, is that what president Nelson did was he changed the name of the corporation to simply the name of the church. In other words, it used to be the corporation of the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now they cut off the first part. And now the name of the corporation is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So no more corporation of the first press made the mistake here in a second. Um, so what's going on is that this is a corporation soul and that's S O L E not S O U L. It's very, very rare that you'll find a corporation soul. And what that means is there is one soul member Of the corporation and that is the president of the church and it has been since i believe since 1923 so it remains a corporation soul even after changing the name of the corporation to the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints so strangely and somewhat maybe humorously it seems that what president nelson managed to do by changing the name of the corporation to simply the name of the church is he inadvertently excommunicated about 16 million members. Because the, the name of the corporation now, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it remains a corporation soul, which means there's one member, and that's President Nelson, or whoever the president is going to be at any given time right now. It's President Russell M. Nelson. There is one member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now, and it's President Nelson. So I hate to pass that word on to everybody else who got excommunicated, probably without any notice. And they may be hearing about it from me for the first time. Now I say that somewhat tongue in cheek because there is a spiritual or non legal body called the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that exists somewhat amorphously out there. And that's what all the other members are uh, members of. That's the church that all the other members are members of. Now, the other thing that happened, which is really interesting is that there have been two holding companies, for about a hundred years now. And the one was the corporation of the president of church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. And the second one was the corporation of the presiding Bishop of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So there were two main corporations that have existed for about a hundred years in the church. And they both operate according to my research as holding companies. In other words, both of them hold a whole bunch of other companies that the church owns and By and large, there are probably exceptions to this, but by and large, the corporation of the presiding bishop has the companies that are not for profit companies. All right. Those are not those are not commercial companies. And there's a whole bunch of those. But over here with the corporation of the president, generally that holding company has all the for profit companies that the church holds. And, so, you know, there's like 40 or 50 total. I I, I didn't count them. Uh, so there's a whole lot of companies in each of these two main holding companies. You were going to say something, Bill.
2: So the presiding bishopric is really managing the actual church, and the top 15 are actually running a bunch of
1: businesses. It's sort of like that, and I don't know exactly why they, they made this uh, decision, um, and I may not be able to know. But anyway, yeah, you're right, and it is the presiding bishop because actually the corporation of the presiding bishop is also a corporation soul, and it has one member, and that's whoever the presiding bishop is at any given time. And right now, I think it was uh, Gerald Causey. I think that was his name. That's his name, correct? Yep. Okay. So having said all of that, what happened in the past two years? By the way, a little bit of background. I did like four years ago on Radio Free Mormon, a two-part podcast called the Apostolic Coup d'Etat. And it talked about how Brigham Young and the other apostles, in an astonishing power grab, assumed absolute and complete control over the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if you go back and you can listen to that, um, you'll find out all the details. I'm not going to rehash those now. But we kind of ended with the presiding patriarch because that brought us closest up in time that was in the 1970s. And when I joined the church, there was a presiding patriarch. And we talked about how if you look at the historical documents and even the doctrine and covenants, the presiding patriarch, the patriarch of the church was considered to be at least equal with the president of the church, if not, maybe even a little bit higher. At least in the days of Joseph Smith, when his dad was the first patriarch, and then when his dad passed away from malaria in Nauvoo, Hiram Smith became the church patriarch. Well, over time, the powers and authorities of the church patriarch ended up sort of being uh, leached off by the apostles. So that in the 1970s, the presiding patriarch, who at that time was Eldred G. Smith, I believe. Remember, this was a hereditary office. It was a lineal office. It was even like a patriarchal office, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but when Elder G. Smith in 1979 was put on emeritus status and nobody was called to take his place. And so he just sort of went off into the sunset and didn't make a big deal about it, at least not that I ever heard about the fact that the office of the patriarch was retired by the apostles. And at the end of that two-part episode, I had said that this made the apostolic coup d'etat complete because now they've taken over complete power over every other organization in the church and changed the structure dramatically from what it was originally. Okay, I was wrong. The apostles had not completed their apostolic coup d'etat at that point, but it appears that now they have. If you'll hang on a second here, excuse me, because there still existed this corporation of the presiding bishop, as well as the corporation of the president. So this gets to the second part of what was done with these new articles of incorporation. And what, what happened there is that the president of the church, President Nelson did away with the corporation of the presiding bishop. It no longer exists. And now all the commercial corporations and the non-for-profit corporations are all part of one corporation soul and that is the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints with only one member and that's president russell m nelson so if you want to look at this uh, i know i we have four documents and i don't want to go through all of them if we could just go to the one that was filed july 19th 2019
2: let give me a second
1: yeah oh actually i don't want that one i'm so sorry what I want is, this makes it pretty clear, just this one, the one from November 18th, 2020.
2: Let's take a look here. November 18th, 2020. Right there it is.
1: Right. And so if you look at that, what it's titled as Articles of Merger of Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, notice that's called the Disappearing Corporation, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the Surviving Corporation. So once again, it's reemphasizing the fact that the name has been changed. And if you look there under Article 1, which you have there, Corporations, right? And by the way, yeah, let's not go into that detail. But it says that what's going to happen is that this merger is going to happen effective one second before midnight on December 31st, two thousand. And 20, you can see it right there toward the end of Article 1. You see that? Yeah. And then under authority and manner of adoption of plan under number three, the plan of merger was approved as required by blah, 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 by the successor to the incorporator of the disappearing corporation and the surviving corporation, respectively, which by this point I think are one in the same person, mm-hmm. which is uh, President Nelson. Now, if you go to the next page, page two, this really is what you need to see here. There you go. In witness whereof, blah, 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 disappearing corporation, corporation of the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you see Russell Nelson signs it there. Surviving corporation is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, signed by Russell Nelson. So there you have the name change. And if we go now to, here we go. This is the one from June 19th, 2019. there There it is. You were so good. Thank you. And all I want to do is talk about the, um, the title amended and restated articles of incorporation of corporation of the presiding Bishop of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Notice if you go down a little bit right there, it says amended and restated. Yeah. The name of the corporation of the presiding Bishop was also changed. By the way, this is how they did it. Corporation of the president changed its name to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints corporation of the presiding Bishop changed its name to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the same name. And then the corporation, uh, they both got merged together. And on the last page of this, this is where the deed was done. There you go. Uh, And just back a little bit. Thank you. In witness where In in witness, whereof I have set my hand below, dated and executed this 18th day of June, 2019, Corporation of the Presiding Bishop of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, signed Gerald Causey, the presiding bishop. Notice what it says next to his name. Outgoing incumbent. Yes. And below that it says acknowledged and accepted, signed by Russell M. Nelson. And notice what it says next to his name.
2: The incoming incumbent.
1: Yes. So there is now no longer a corporation of the presiding bishop. There is only the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with one member, and that is the president of the church, President Russell M. Nelson. So I thought that was very, very interesting. By the way, I would think that probably the main jewel in the crown of the former corporation of the presiding bishop would have been the Enzyme Peak fund. Mm. Because I believe that was under the the corporation of the presiding bishop. That is no longer under that corporation. It is completely under the control of the president of the church.
2: Look who the notary is for that. Well, it looks
1: like it's Brooke Hales.
2: Brooke Hales, who takes care of giving us our membership report.
1: Does he really? Because I found out through this that he is the secretary, I believe, the secretary of the first presidency.
2: Yeah, I think he's the one who gets up and says, uh, you know, we've, we've done all of our Uh, auditing. Everything is good. We're not going to share any of that with you, but trust us, it's great. Right. Very good.
1: So apparently, he's also a notary, so he can uh, notarize the signatures, and that's very handy. You don't have to go down to find a notary. You've got one in-house.
2: Yeah, it it is interesting. As you pointed out, I I shared the uh, Apostolic Coup d'Etat episodes at the very beginning of uh, this streaming, and then also put them in again a few minutes ago, and You pointed it out at the time you and I had had multiple conversations about how, you know, the patriarch was the last guy left who had some authority. And um, in the meantime, we were wrong in the sense some level, at least administrative wise, uh, the presiding bishopric had some level of authority in the church, although not uh, not uh, priesthood authority uh, over these men but had some sort of administrative authority. And now, as you pointed out, these guys have finished the process. President Nelson or the prophet of the church at any given time going forward is the sole person running the show and making all the decisions. And and, and anyone else who has any idea that they have input uh, actually still really doesn't at the end of the day, do they?
1: Right. And in some sense, I think you're right that this was maybe a little bit of form over substance because obviously Gerald Causey is going to do whatever the president tells him to do. At least I think that's probably true. I mean, here, the president Nelson told the presiding bishop, hey, I want you to sign over, you know, your authority over all of these uh, these companies, including the Enzyme Peak account to me. And it doesn't look like he had a lot of problem signing that. But I don't know. All I can see is a signature. All I know is that he did sign it.
2: Yeah, I usually go beyond the mark, and you're the one who kind of stays where where the data says. And so I'll do it one more time, which is (laughs) um, by having two different entities, it gives you a little better chance of hiding what you're doing. Maybe people are chasing down one. Meanwhile, they don't know what you're doing in the other. Now that we live in an internet age where everything is exposed eventually, um, maybe perhaps They no longer saw a purpose in having a separate entity where they could stick some of these companies and then have another entity where they could stick the rest of them and and no longer see a purpose in that. And so they've merged. But you and I will never know. There are real reasons of the conversations behind the scene or the thoughts inside certain people's heads of why this needed to be done. But it is done nonetheless.
1: Right. And I was speaking with a, a friend of mine who's a lawyer who represents the church, at least in certain areas. And it was his feeling and his insight that this was done, at least in part, for certain jurisdictional reasons, which um, seemed very um, dry and which I didn't want to get into on the show. We may have gotten into this too much. I know that uh, legal stuff is not always the uh, the material of interesting podcasting. So there may have been additional reasons uh, as well. But here we have the documents and those are going to be in the show notes, right? Yeah. So yeah, we, can, we can absolutely make sure these are available so everybody can look at these to their hearts content. Yeah. And now, now we get to go on to what I think is going to be the fun part of the show. And this is the pre-debate tailgate party. Yeah, somebody asked what a tailgate party is. A
2: tailgate party is at the beginning uh, before a football game start, all of us uh, all of us fans get in the parking lot, park our vehicles, and those who have trucks let their tailgate down and you either are putting food up on the tailgate or you're sitting up on the tailgate drinking a cold beer or having a hot dog uh, and it's our way to as fans of sports to kind of uh, start talking about the game before it happens
1: yes well things have been ratcheting up here oh by the way let's get into the details right now if we can please Uh, at least one of the listeners is asking uh there's a debate and i i'm shocked that they didn't know but i suppose not everyone in the entire world knows about this even though i've been posting about it regularly on my facebook page That's where most of the details are. And I've been documenting this. This is with Midnight Mormons against me in Salt Lake City this coming Saturday, November 13th, 6 o'clock p.m. at Sean McCraney's church, which is called the Campus Church. And campus is an acronym. And I can't remember what it stands for, but I'm guessing the C price stands for Christian. And it's C-A-M-P-U-S. We'll have something with the address on it as we go through this. Because... What's been going on is that finally, we seem to have a commitment from the three Midnight Mormons that they will be there, that they will show up. And we have Sean McCraney moderating it. I think he'll do a great job. We have crowdsourced questions on both sides. There's going to be eight questions total. Four of them will be addressed initially to me. Four of them will be addressed initially to the Midnight Mormons. And then the person who gets the question first has eight minutes to respond and only eight minutes. The other side then has eight minutes to reply. And then the first side has three minutes to do what's called rebuttal or make a response to their reply. Then it's done. Then we go on to the next question. And the next question goes to the other side that didn't get the question the previous time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So we do not know what the questions will be. The Midnight Mormons, who are Kwaku El Cardin Ellis, and Brad Whitbeck, wanted desperately to know what those questions were going to be. But I opposed that. And Sean McCraney, the moderator, made the decision because these decisions are his. It is his church. He's the moderator. We've given him that authority. He says, no, we're not going to know in advance what the questions are. The only person who's going to know what the questions are before the debate is Sean McCraney, who's choosing them specifically for this purpose. What he did do, however, is he gave very general subject matters as to what the different questions would be about. And when I say general, I mean they're really general. Number one is the Book of Mormon. So some kind of question relating to the Book of Mormon is going to be asked one to one side and one to another. So that'll be two questions. The next category, as I recall, is development of church doctrine and policy. That's the category that could cover a lot of ground too. the third category was, I think it was social issues. And the fourth category was truth claims. So within those categories, uh, Sean McCraney will be asking questions of us at the debate, and that will be the first time either I or the Midnight Mormons or the audience for that matter. We'll be hearing what the questions are, and then we'll take it from there. Do you have any comments about this so far, Bill?
2: Yeah, the address is 137 West, 4640 South, Murray, Utah, 84107. Um, you can find in the comments on YouTube that address has been put there. Uh, so there's that. Um, also, I'm just curious if there's a bunch of people at Fair Mormon making a ton of notes for these guys right now because I'm my issue – is always that you don't know what you don't know. And the three of these guys uh, aren't exactly well-versed in the complexity of Mormonism. They understand these issues at a surface level, and it's going to be interesting for them to not know the questions beforehand, for you not to know the questions beforehand, and to see how they handle that being asked something off the cuff and having to figure out if they've got some notes written down for that question.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I always make it a rule, whether it's in my private practice or anywhere, to never underestimate my opponent. Yeah. So I will follow that that rule here. But we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of people are still wondering if they're even going to show up. And uh, I've seen comments about that, a uh, number of comments. But I have faith in the Midnight Mormons. I think that all three of them will show up because if they don't, they will never live it down.
2: Yeah. No, no. Especially
1: after saying I backed out of the debate when I never agreed to it in the first place. I know they are so full of misinformation. And this past weekend I had some spare time. So I thought I'd start making a few Facebook posts, make a few comments. And they had put up a video. I think it went up on November 6th, which would have been last Saturday. And that is what they were responding to in their video. In their podcast was what I had been posting because I've been doing this running post about everything that's been going on to be as transparent as possible and let everybody know what's going on behind the scenes up to and including posting the emails that have been sent back and forth between the parties and what's been going on. And it seems that that got their knickers in a twist bill and mm-hmm. they vented a little bit of spleen my way in this video. So we, what I'm going to do tonight, what we're going to do with your help Mm-hmm. Is show a few clips from this video, and then let the audience know some more things that have been going on behind the scenes. So hopefully, we can set the record straight, because setting the record straight does not appear to be Midnight Mormons' forte. Now, let me get to my notes hey, here, if I can. Yes. No, no, no. I that was just I'm trying to get the audio queued up, and it it
2: just kind of did a thing. So, oh, just a note too, Sean McCraney. It sounds like from what you're telling me, he will live stream this on his own uh, YouTube channel. I think Uh, so. Right. And then I'm going to bring a laptop with me and I'm going to try to live stream it the best I can uh, to our YouTube channel. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, I may end up having to record it depending on his Wi-Fi uh, speed at his building. I may have to record it and then immediately release it afterward just so we don't have any buffering and any uh, continuity issues with the with the video.
1: Right, and all that makes sense to you, and I leave this in your capable hands. Okay, I will come prepared. So the first thing that we want to do is we want to play the just the very first 18 seconds from their video from this past weekend. And also, I'm going to be asking you to pull up my Facebook page right after this. But if you can play that first 18 seconds, because I was really surprised. This is actually a little clip that they take out of the main podcast, and they put it at the beginning Uh, for an introduction and then they do their little Midnight Mormons I guess it's music and um, yeah if you could just play these first 18 seconds Yep, let's uh, make that full screen
2: (laughs)
3: we want to be on the same page that's why we're reaching out so like don't attack us and say that we're being
0: difficult when we're saying hey here's what we think we should maybe do what are your thoughts
3: the fact
4: that we
0: have to go do these public podcasts to respond to the post shows that um, they're not dealing in good faith.
1: there you go. So that was what really grabbed my attention. I and mean, it's right at the beginning with Kwaku L saying the fact that they have to do these podcasts to respond to my Facebook posts. And I thought, how delightful. Apparently, I'm pulling their strings. I am forcing them to do these podcasts because he says the fact that we have to do these podcasts. So I put up their video on my Facebook page, all their videos that they're doing that relate to me, to you, to this whole debate. I'm actually linking to on my Facebook page because I want people to be able to see what's going on. Do you have my Facebook page there? Oh, look at that! There so it is. There's the video, and then I looked at this was Saturday night, I think it was, and I looked at Quake and he looks kind of angry. So I I did a screenshot of a close up of him, right? And then up there, there it is, and right up above it, are you able to show what that says? I know what it says because I wrote it. Are you able to get a yeah, little bit make closer it to that?
2: A little bigger, yeah. Let's see if this and we can do this.
1: You are brilliant. Yeah, that's what I wrote. The moment Quaku realizes RFM is the puppet master.
2: (laughs) This is, this has worked so well. And again, these guys are often, and I think Cardinalis is the worst at it, but these guys are often missing the mark and they're, they're, they're making the facts, um, sway really strongly one way or the other in ways that you really couldn't defend if you were held accountable to what you're saying. And, Um, it's going to be interesting to see how all this unfolds because these guys say a lot of things. And as you're going to point out tonight, they make a lot of claims, but often there's discrepancies in the actual timeline. And then the actual facts as they present them.
1: Yeah. We're going to talk about a couple more of those. I just wanted to explain why it was because I'm not sure they got it, but I want to make sure it was very clear why it was. I put the moment Kwaku realizes RFM is the puppet master, because if I'm making them, produce these videos to respond to my Facebook post, and obviously I'm the one calling the shots Yeah, and you, pulling the strings.
2: Yeah, you are. You are the one making the marionette
1: move. Yeah, so um, let me see here. Now let's go to, so we've gone to the Facebook screen. Can we go to the same video of theirs from last Saturday and go timestamp? It'll be 7.24 all the way up to 9.00. And this is where they're going to talk about this whole issue about the text, about the original text message. Because several weeks ago, this is when uh, I talked with Quake. I talked with all three of them on the phone. I've done that twice. And they said they didn't want Jim Bennett. Remember, I had Jim Bennett as the moderator and he had agreed to. And the reason I moved forward with that was because I wasn't hearing anything from them. And so I went ahead and took that step. And so they said they didn't want Jim Bennett. They wanted to have Sean McCraney. And I thought, well, that's fine. And then Quake, told me that he had already reached out to Sean McCraney by email, but he hadn't heard back from him yet. By so- the way, that's important. If, if there's any
2: comment by them after this is all said and done that Sean McCraney didn't operate fairly, it needs to be noted that he wasn't your call. Your call was Jim Bennett, who would have been perceived at least as being more leaning on their side. Uh, at least a believing perspective of Mormonism.
1: And that's why they said they objected to him because they didn't want it to look like everybody was up there pro Mormon, except for me. Right. So they didn't want Jim Bennett and they wanted Sean McCraney. I said, okay, Quake, who told me he'd reached out to him by email, hadn't heard back from him yet. And so what I decided to do, that was on a Saturday and this is back in October. We'll have some dates here. What? No, no, no. I'm doing the same thing. I'm just
2: having a sound issue. Okay. We'll when, have YouTube, to- when you, when you make a YouTube uh, video full size and you make it minimize again, it automatically wants to start playing the audio without me having pushed play.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, what happened was is that, um, well, I know Sean McCraney. So I, and I think we have a pretty good relationship. He was on my show a year ago and we got along pretty well. And I still had his phone number in my phone So I texted him that Saturday night, and we'll see these texts here in a bit, okay? But I contacted him and I said, hey, you want to be a moderator and have this debate at your church? And within 48 hours of the Saturday afternoon phone call with Midnight Mormons that I had, I had Sean McCraney ready to be the moderator, graciously offering his church as the place. And then I let the the Midnight Mormons know by posting it on my Facebook page that I had it already arranged. I also asked Sean McCraney if he had gotten this email from Quaku that Quaku told me he had sent. He said, No, no, I haven't gotten it. I haven't received anything. And by the way, even as recently as yesterday, which would today is November 10th, 2021, yesterday was November 9th. Even as recently as yesterday, Sean McCraney still has not gotten that email. Yeah. It never got there. And so this ends up coming up in the Midnight Mormon's most recent podcast. And it's so funny because Card and Ellis is of the opinion that Kwaku um, has been producing this all along. And he presents this to Quaku as if this is something that he's in charge of, not something I've done. Right. But this is something that Quaiku's done. And it's so funny. Watch Quaku's face and watch him look a little bit uncomfortable and then watch him give this story about the emails. It's absolutely priceless. Do you have that at seven point two four to nine point zero zero? I should have
2: that. Let's uh, pull that up on the screen. Movie production set.
5: Well, and this is <laughs> like, what's crazy. This is what's crazy, bro. Like, I don't follow RFM on Facebook because I, I honestly I don't really use Facebook too much. And I'm looking at this, and three hours ago, Homeboy says, Sean McCraney takes charge. Sean just sent the following email to me and each of the three midnight Mormons. All right, homies, time to come to Jesus. I love all parties involved in this coming debate from the heart. I would care less about your respectful beliefs, yada, 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 this and that. And he ends up inviting us to come to his chapel. And he says, these are the parameters of how we're going to do the debate. Dude, Kwaku, you're the one that reached out to Sean McCraney. You're the one that asked if we could use his chapel. You've been the one that in good faith has been producing this event and you can't go and say a headline like Sean McCraney takes charge when it I, really is Sean McCraney
3: did, responds did he, no, to Quaku's request. Uh, well, I think uh, did, we I think said that we were going to reach out to Sean McCraney and then I think RFM just reached out to him
0: first. Is that what happened? Um, so, or did yeah, you so, start it? So um, I sent an email. Uh, so I, I've, I've had correspondence with two different pastors named Sean and I sent uh, an, two emails. One was to Sean McCraney. The other is to some random other dude like in Missouri who had emailed me a couple years ago named Sean. And I, oh, no. I, I think it's typed in Pastor Sean. And I was like, hey, upcoming <laughs> debate. And then um, uh, and that guy was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, oh my gosh. And then I was able to get on the phone with Sean McCraney. And he was like, yeah, no, we're going to be talking about it. RFM, I know everything's going on. I'm moderating. So it was there you go.
1: That's um, good enough for right now. We'll pick it up there. So now fascinatingly enough, once again, remember Sean McCraney never got the email. He still hasn't gotten it.
2: So, so, so Kwaku hasn't done all the organizing of the event behind the scenes, working all these details out with Sean McCraney and Sean McCraney could stand as a witness saying that's also not true.
1: Well, right. And I think that uh, Kwaku's trying to explain what happened as best he can to correct uh, Cardin Ellis misapprehension of what happened. But it's interesting, the story now Because number one, he says, well, I sent out two emails to two different Sean's, both of them pastors. So in the first case, in in the first part, why, if you're trying to send an email to Sean McCraney, do you send an email to two different people named Sean? Usually you would just do it to one person, making sure it was Sean McCraney. If it's an email to a phone number, I don't know how he did it, but I think it was a phone number. Uh, if it's an email to a phone number, I think that the area code of 801 in Utah is probably different than the area code in Missouri. I'm just guessing on that.
2: <laughs> you would think. And for Cardin Ellis to you know, make it sound like you're yelling because you've got some words in caps and you've got the exclamation point, when he is the guy who's over-talking and talking loud at, at, on every one of these videos, to me also seems silly. It's almost like he's making fun of you as if you're being loud and forceful when he's the most loud and forceful voice on any podcast I've listened to in six months. And I've listened to about a half an episode and couldn't tolerate anymore.
1: It's like that Seinfeld episode. He's the loud talker. He is. He is Cardin Ellis,
2: the loud talker.
1: Was that a soft talker? Anyway, it's been a while since I've watched it. But the second point is, the second point is, is that even with this new revised story from Quaku, it still doesn't account for why it is that Sean McCraney never sent, never received that second email that he said he did send. To Sean McCraney. Right, right. Sean still hasn't gotten that
2: one. And I would welcome, by the way, I would ask for full transparency just to know if this is true. Kwaku, would you mind sharing that email so that we can see that it's dated appropriately and that it did go to some other pastor uh, named Sean? We'd love to verify that that's true. Knowing that Kwaku has in the past showed up as Dave Schmidt makes me wonder about anything that Kwaku says happened that there's no proof of.
1: Right. And while he's at it, probably wouldn't be too much to ask to include proof of this Sean pastor in Missouri. His response, which Kwaku said, you know, what are you talking about? A debate? Yeah. Now, maybe it's all true. It certainly could be all true. And I think it was Reagan who said trust, but verify. So if they're if they're up to that, that would be a challenge that I would like to second you on right now to prove that. Put it up or retract the story. Don't How's you that?
2: think it's don't you think it's funny how they're in all their videos, right? So I've listened to like a moment here when someone said, "Hey Bill, check out timestamp." They say you're lying. Hey Bill, check out timestamp. Say you're lying. It seems as if they're always questioning our credibility. They're always telling their listeners that RFM and Bill Real are always lying. We're always distorting the facts. Um, it, we may end up with the wrong conclusion. Maybe the church is true in some magical, supernatural way. But but what I think is obvious from anybody who spent any time listening to you or me or you and me together is that for the most part, and you do a better job of it than I do, for the most part, we really do stay on the facts and we really do stay with where the data and the historical documents point us to. And I think it could be argued easily that we're making the most rational conclusions at least most of the time, if not all the time
1: thank you I agree with that yeah, but of course I'm yeah. sort of biased but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll let the audience make that decision for us by right. the way and uh, Kwaku ends by saying he got on the phone with Sean can you go back to 8.50 and play it up to 9.00 those last 10 seconds 8. because then he says yeah I sent the email and uh, you know but but I got on the phone with Sean McCraney and we, we talked about it we worked it out
2: okay here we uh,
0: here we go like what are you talking about and I was like well <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then I was able to get on the phone with Sean McCraney and he was like, yeah, no, we're going to be talking about it. RFM. I know everything's
1: going on. I'm moderating. So. Okay. That's where he says he got on the phone with him. Now, the funny part is, is that I kept calling Sean and asking, have you heard anything from Quake? Have you heard anything from Midnight Mormons? And he kept saying, no, I haven't heard anything. No, I haven't heard anything. So finally, and by the way, we're going to have the text messages here. (laughs) Finally, I said, I mean, Time is ticking, and this is a big deal, and it's an event, and you've got to plan, and you've got to organize in advance and not wait till the last second, which is kind of what was sort of starting to happen. So I said, okay, Sean, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang up on you. I'm going to send a text right now to Kwaku and you, and I'm going to say, well, you'll see it here in a second. I'm going to say, hi, Quaku. Sean still hasn't heard from you. I just got off the phone with Sean. He still hasn't heard from you. I am including Sean in this text, so you'll have his correct contact information or something to that effect. So if we can now go to a few behind the scenes text messages, you can see with your own eyes, what has been going on. The first text messages I want to this is three sets of text messages, by the way, the first is going to be text messages between me and Sean. All right. So if we can go to those.
2: Yep, give me those. Yep, I do give me a second to put them up on the screen. And uh, let me share the screen here. Uh-huh. let's do number one. And oop, that's not going to come over to the right monitor. So we'll move that over.
1: Hmm. Okay. So I think this is number one. Yeah, so this is Saturday, October sixteenth. Are you able to enlarge that at all?
2: I will just want to note here, Ryan Daroque, and I, I hope Ryan's serious. I think it would be a great challenge. If Kwaku shares a screenshot of his email to the Missouri Pastor Sean, and Missouri Pastor Sean confirms the validity of said email, I'll pay him ten thousand dollars. That's pretty dang significant. So Holy we'll, see crap. That, I, we'll see if we'll see if Quaku decides to go ahead and proceed. Um, to earn himself another 10 grand. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. for that
1: kind of money, I'd make up some emails. Well, Yeah, but of course, he's going to wait for that
2: pastor to verify it too. And it's uh, not like he's going to be able to call Dave Schmidt and get the answer. It's going to have to be the pastor uh, in Missouri. So now let's see if we can't make this a little bigger.
1: Okay. So this is what, between me and Sean McCraney, Saturday, October 16th, 620 p.m. This was a Saturday when I had the second call. With three Midnight Mormons, when Quaku had said that he's already emailed um, Sean McCraney and Sean McCraney hasn't gotten back to him yet. So that evening at 620, I thought, hey, I'll just uh, I'll just uh, text him this. Can you read that in green is me?
2: Yeah. So here's RFM debate update. Second phone call with Midnight Mormons. One, they want to have a debate at Sean McCraney's church in Murray. I said, fine. They want Sean McCraney. To moderate instead of Jim Bennett. I said, fine. They want to have questions crowdsourced and picked and asked by Sean. I said, fine. Number four, they want me to have more people on my team so it doesn't look like they are ganging up on me. I said, no, it's just me. They can configure their team and I can configure mine. What do you say? And I'll I'll scroll down here.
1: Oh, and by the way, just so everybody knows, that sounds like I'm coming in in the middle of something. But the reason it sounds that way is because I think I had taken that text and sent it out to a few people and probably posted it on my Facebook page. That's why it sounds like I'm coming in in the middle of a conversation. That was actually my first text message to Sean about this. And so then I said, what do you say? And Sean texts back. He says, let's do it. Right. So the next one, Let me. that uh, was October 16th. Yep. Let me minimize this. Number two,
2: it's going to show up on the other screen. So it'll take me just a second here. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, so you, let's, let's do it. And then yep.
2: you said, I love you. You blow him kisses, get him a heart. Uh, he says, whatever you need, want, let me know. You say, Roger that me amigo. Maybe I can call you Monday. Kwaku said he left a message for you too. Now he notice said, this
1: Kwaku said he left a message for you too. And yeah. Sean bless his heart says,
2: I have a different number now. So haven't heard anything Monday. Call us. Great. You said, super have a great weekend. He says you too, my brother.
1: Now, if you'll hang on a second, Sean is trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, which I would like to do by saying, well, I have a different number from the last time I had contact with him. And the he spoke th- to them
2: pretty recently. It wasn't that long ago that they they and him had a recorded conversation.
1: That's the funny part. The funny part, as I explained to Sean on the phone later, was that they were on the same show together. Midnight Mormons and Sean McCraney were on the same same show together last December. Okay. Yep. Sean McCraney was, and that was December of 2020. Yep. Sean McCraney was on my show three months earlier in September of 2020. Yep. So why is it that my phone number for Sean from September (laughs) of 2020, I can get through to him?
2: Uh, You're texting him at the number that you have for him that was three months before Midnight Mormons had the conversation. Yes. (laughs) I didn't know that. That, to me, is golden.
1: So... (laughs) Uh, I think it's great that he wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm just not sure that it is warranted in this particular case. Yeah. So If we go to the next okay. page.
2: Okay. Number three. Now I'll have to switch this back over again. So
1: number three. Okay. Uh, super. Have a great weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead and keep reading.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, McCraney says, sorry, but do you have a date you want? And you said evening of Saturday, November 13th. He said, I'll call you around three mountain time. If that will work. You said, Okay. And you ask him, is the evening of November 13th going to work for you? So he hasn't heard dates. And again, there's been no conversation. And days and days and days, and I don't know how it was weeks, but a significant amount of time passed where you felt like, hey, if we're going to make this happen, somebody's got to get on the ball here.
1: Well, right at this point, this is still early on, just so you know. Because we had the conversation with the the second phone call with uh, the three midnight morms. I had it on October 16th in the afternoon. This is now October 18th in the morning. Okay. And we I do call him and we set it up and confirm. And I put November 13th because that was the date that they suggested, the evening of Saturday, November 13th. That's okay. why I brought it up to him. Do you have the next one?
2: And it really is the only available date, right? You're flying in. You're coming to Thrive. It's that weekend. It's really the only chance you're going to be in Salt Lake City. You would have to maybe stretch it a day earlier or a day later uh but Sunday's pretty well taken up with this Thrive thing. So it's kind of hard to do it that way. So this this Saturday, November 13th, next this coming Saturday here, just a couple days away, is really the right date to do it if we're really all going to get together, right?
1: I had told them that I would make myself available, excuse me, make myself available either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday evening. But that weekend. It had to yes. be. Okay. So I said, Does that work for you? And he says,
2: like soy on rice, and you put a little meat. Like soy love- sauce. Yeah, soy sauce. Sorry, like soy sauce. <laughs> I love okay. it when a plan comes together and it's got the A team there, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid.
1: Okay, now now it jumps in time because that yep. was October eighteenth. Now we're to October twenty seventh, which October is October twenty seventh. Nine days later, I think, right? Yeah, nine. And I text yeah. him and I say, "Any updates from Kwaku and company?"
2: And then there's crickets, and the answer is still nothing. Yeah,
1: he texts me back two days later and says, "Still nothing."
2: And you ask, are are we on a snipe hunt or something? And yes. <laughs> so and so,
1: so he still hasn't heard anything from them. And now that's October 29th. By the way, we first started talking about this. My first call with the, the Midnight Mormons was in September. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So any updates, nothing. And um, oh, this is Wednesday. Uh, I think it's probably the same Wednesday. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it's after that. I'm not sure because it doesn't have the date on it. Anyway, it says any updates. I said, nothing. any updates to Sean? And he says Nothing's nothing. That's from
2: McCraney. You say you you saw they put out the Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, oh. This is a real jump forward. This is to November 3rd. That's okay. last Wednesday. That's why it doesn't have a date on oh, it. that's because, why.
2: Because it's this week.
1: Yes, because when I did it, it was, uh, I put these up yesterday. I sent them to you yesterday. And it was Wednesday, November 3rd. And now it's November 3rd for crying out loud. And I'm texting Sean McCraney again saying, any updates? And his response is,
2: Nothing. Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. Cause the phone, when you're in the most recent Wednesday, it's not going to tell the date. It's just that Wednesday that is just before whatever day it is currently. Um, so any updates, nothing. You saw that they put out a request for questions. You ask right. He I'm said, having no. to tell him
1: Yeah, that I saw that they had put up a request for questions over on their website.
2: Yeah. He says, no, I I've n- no means to see such. When you say, I have heard nothing from them either. Now we're on Friday. 1050 AM, just sent you a reply email, Sean. Another thought I had since sending. So what was the point in crowdsourcing all those questions in the first place? Midnight
1: Mormons. And by the way, this is Friday, November 5th. So this is his last Friday. And this is when they had sent the email to Sean wanting to change the format. Yeah. And say, well, and then that's why I said, what was the point in crowdsourcing all the questions that both of us did? Because that was their idea to crowdsource questions. So I did it here. They did some there, and then they wanted monkey with it some more.
2: Let me let me ask this. Hold on. So you're planning coming into town. You guys have agreed to do this debate November 13th in three days, right? Three, from today, three days later. And as of last Friday, he still hasn't heard anything from them. And he doesn't know. They haven't asked him to use this building. He hasn't. There's been no communication on their end. And they're expecting basically within less than a week's time or about a week's time, maybe a little over, one day more, to put all this together, get his permission. And they still haven't reached out, right?
1: As of that point, yes, they had. Okay. But that's going to be another part of the story as to how that came about and how Quaku did actually call Sean McCraney, like he said there at the end of that clip that I had you play for the second time.
2: But by Wednesday, the but by last Wednesday they had not.
1: No, they had. They had. Uh any updates? Nothing. But there were no updates about anything.
2: Okay, gotcha. So when do you know what the date was they first communicated with him? Yes. What
1: is that? We'll get to it. Okay. Mainly because <laughs> I, I don't remember it off the top of my That's head. Okay. There's so many dates. but by the way, these are the text messages messages between me and Sean. So if everybody will try and keep these dates in their head, because when we go to the other text messages between me and other people, well they'll be during this time period as well, right? Does yeah. that make sense? Perfect. Okay. So was was that the fifth one? Was that the last that was the one? the Last Dad? one. Yep. Okay. So now the next one I'd like to go to, if it's okay. Okay. Are the text messages between me and Kwaku and Sean McCraney. Oh, all three of you. Yeah, because I mentioned that uh, I kept t- bugging Sean, saying, "Have the has Kwaku contacted you? Had did you get the email?" And he kept saying, "Nothing, nothing, nothing." Right. And we saw that there. Correct. Right. So I told you the story about it. I said, okay, well, I'm going to send a text message to both of you. So that's why we have uh, some text messages with both of them. Okay? Perfect. So this is Friday, October 22nd at 1110 a.m. This is when I texted both of them. Can you read what I, what I texted? Yeah.
2: You put, hi, Kwaku. Just got off the phone with Sean McCraney. He says he hasn't heard anything from you. I'm including Sean in this text so you have his correct contact information. Sean is expecting your call. Uh, McCraney jumps in ready and willing to help bring you two together here in Salt Lake city. You put, you are the best Sean. And he responds, I am the best jackass to have ever lived. And I assume that's you that hearted it. Yeah, that's my heart. Perfect. All right. So let me get rid of that one. Let's put the, uh,
1: and by the way, as soon as I sent that to both of them, Quaku got on the phone to him.
2: Ooh, gotcha.
1: So that was, that was what prompted Quaku to get on the phone. Finally to Sean McCraney.
2: Perfect. What was the date? Did we have, was there a date on that first one?
1: October 16th,
2: October. Let me just go back here so people can see it really quick. Okay. Um, no, that's not the first uh, one.
1: Oh, is it? Oh, I'm sorry. It was October 22nd,
2: October 22nd. All right. So the first time that Quaku is being invited into the conversation after the midnight Mormons claim that he initiated all of this and got all the ball rolling is actually you getting the ball rolling and essentially compelling by including him um, to get involved uh, on October 22nd.
1: Right, by this time I've already got Sean agreeing to moderate and to use his church. I had yeah. done that a couple of days before and just wondering when are they ever going to get a hold of Sean McCraney so I figured this would do it and it did.
2: Yeah, this stuff takes time to plan. You can't just uh show up at somebody's building and expect all this stuff to be ready to go if you don't give people time to prepare. And by the way, I know you're probably going to point to it later but these guys make the excuse of being busy, but man, hell we all are. I work a full-time job and I'm, I'm doing the running the entity as the, as the executive director, as well as creating content for it too. Like we've all, we're all busy. Right. And um, there's only one
1: of me and three of them. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not retired. I'm have a full practice. You do. By the line. way. Yes. I yes. often,
2: when you and I are on the phone, you tell me you have to let me go because you're getting ready to walk into the courtroom.
1: Yeah. Perfect. So now Quake, who says, cause I was actually on the phone again with Sean right after that. And so Sean says, oh, he just called. Okay, I got to go. So Kwaku had texted. Sean just tried to call. Call me back when you can. Smiley face. And so then Sean and Kwaku talked on the phone. That was the first time they had any communication regarding this debate. So then Sean McCraney sends it to both of us. And can you read this?
2: Yeah, so uh, Kwaku says, Sean, just tried to call. Call me back when you can. McCraney responds. And, and obviously you're saying the, the phone call occurs right in between here. Yes. And then now McCraney's trying to reach back out to the two of you to keep, um, to keep you both informed with a consistent uh, messaging. Hey, you two, please promote the following to your respective audiences. Seating is limited. By the way, I think he said he could hold 160 people. Yeah. 160 people. Second, a Subway dinner will be served. Third, a mission is free. By the way, he's never asked for any donations or any kind of pay for this. I am going to suggest to the Mormonism Live audience and to anybody else who becomes aware and is going to this first, don't be upset. I don't know if there may only be 25 people that show up. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have any expectations. But per se, if there is more than 160, please understand that you will be turned away if it's over what he can legally have in that building. So please don't be upset about that. If you're driving a long distance, I would suggest you get there early. Although he may not open the doors until uh, close to when the debate's supposed to start. I don't know that either. So just be respectful and responsible, which I fully expect our listeners to do. Um, And I also would ask that, our listeners consider making some sort of donation, throw them 10 bucks, throw them 15 bucks. It is very gracious of him to do all the behind the scenes work in taking care of streaming this, taking care of allowing us to use his building. And again, providing uh, a subway dinner to everybody who shows up.
1: Right. And that means subway sandwiches. If you don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he wanted to say this, so let's emphasize this.
2: Yeah. A mission is free and please provide a map. GPS, whatever, to our location, 137 West, 4640 South, Murray, Utah. I've shared that on my Facebook page. I know that you've had it on yours. Um, so, folks, you've been informed. That's the address in Murray, Utah. Um, that would be you know, Saturday night. Uh, what's the time again for the start time? 6 o'clock. 6 p.m., Mountain Time, Murray, Utah, 137 West, 460, 4640 South. Sorry about that.
1: That's okay. Do we have the next one in this chain? Is there another? Yep. Number three. Okay. So that was October, whatever it was. Uh 22nd, right? Thank you. 22nd. Okay. So that's the end of that text. Yeah. Oh, and then I said, thumbs up. Yeah. Can you text me your email address, Sean, which he does. I give him yep. a thumbs up. And I said, just send an email to you both, which I posted on my Facebook page. Perfect. And then the next one. Yeah. Let's get rid of that. Number four.
2: I wonder too, I think these guys do themselves no justice when they talk about you and I in in the way that they do. And I got to imagine at least some of their um, followers who align themselves with the Midnight Mormons, come over to watch our show, come over to see what we're putting on, go to your Facebook page. And what they're going to find if they're listening tonight's episode, for instance, is that it's not RFM and Bill Real that are being dishonest about the process and how it's happened. It it goes the other way. And maybe you guys can just notice if you've tuned into us, maybe you can just pause for a moment, listen to a few of our episodes, listen to a few more of theirs, and make your own decision about who really is being more honest.
1: Right. So here it's October 28th. Sean McCraney sends a text on this joint text. <laughs>
2: Sorry, I'm trying to kill a fly. It's been bothering me. Go ahead. Well, I hope you got it. No, I didn't. I was too slow. At 43 years old, I don't have the fast reflexes I used to.
1: Okay. Well. I'm a boomer, boomer, you know. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying?
2: You know what I'm saying.
1: So Kwaku, uh, Sean McCraney, could you read this?
2: Yeah. So uh, Kwaku, I just reviewed... So this is McCraney talking Quake, I just reviewed a hundred comments from the RFM Facebook page as potential questions to ask you at the debate. If you could, I need you to gather the comments that I can direct to RFM from the midnight Mormon listeners and forward them to me as soon as possible. Thanks brother. So So that's
1: what was going on then. All right. And so they ended up taking care of that. Okay. So now, now those are those text messages. So everybody can understand what's been going on behind the scene. And, uh, how I've been trying to push this forward, even though it seems sometimes like I'm doing it upstream against um, people, i.e. the Midnight Mormons who don't seem to be as interested in making this happen as I do, but still it's ready to go. And now if we can go to that same video, the Midnight Mormons podcast from last Friday, picking up again at timestamp 9.00, where we left off and going on for 21 seconds to 9.21, because This ends up being very, very interesting. Let me try to reset it here.
0: Oh, he is like, like he's already known for a while and and we're very, I'm very happy. He's preparing his place. It's going to feed a lot of the people. It's really, really good. I want to make sure there's security there. So I might throw a couple bucks at some of the guys who do security for the events to come in. Like, you know, like I want, I want people to be like patted down before they come in. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, this is I that's something. Like that. like,
5: yeah, we get way too many violent threats from people. But
0: but again,
1: this OK, there you go. This absolutely had me in stitches. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, they oh, yeah. need security because uh, the thing that surprises me so much, I, I had no idea that these guys were so fragile that they need to have security at a church because they get death threats. And Quaku says he wants people patted down. I mean, Quaku, here's news for you. The guy who's sitting next to you up there on the stage, Cardinellis, is the guy who snuck a knife past TSA at an airport and got charged for it. Not by mistake. Not by mistake.
2: Intentionally, in order to try and get the knife past the airport security.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) If if there's any one person at the debate who should be patted down, it's Cardinellis. Yes, I'm with you. Um,
2: and, uh, you can look it up. If you just do a search for Cardin Ellis, you'll get his mugshot. Um, it's mug on shots my Facebook never, page. by the way, mugshots never look good. They, they never look good. No, mine's terrible. <laughs> and someday, maybe someday, you know, again, we all make mistakes someday. Maybe, maybe there'll be a mugshot of me or maybe a mugshot of you. But, uh, as of right now, there's a mugshot of Cardin Ellis If you just do a search for his name
1: or look at my Facebook page. So oh. the deal is this, I mean, don't be good. Don't, Everybody makes mistakes, okay. Yeah. I represent people who make mistakes and get yeah. charged with crimes. I understand yeah. how that is, okay? But don't be one of those people going up there and saying, Oh, I need security and I want people patted down at a freaking debate about Mormonism in a little church that holds 160 people. Come on, guys. When you're the
2: guy who intentionally sneaks a knife on a plane or is among the group of guys who are asking for security when one of you has tried to sneak intentionally a knife onto a plane.
1: It had never I'm sorry? As a grown adult. It had never even occurred to me to think about security so they can do whatever they want for security. I talked to Sean the other day. He says, I'm not paying for any security. So if they want to go ahead and have security, fine. God bless them. I will be my own security.
2: Okay. Just a reminder to all three of these guys. And I I think Brad Whitbeck is a little different than the other two, but, but all three of these guys are professional to some degree performers before they are uh Mormon defenders.
1: They yeah, are maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean
2: Cardinellis is a was an actor in movies, multiple movies. And I don't think Was he's he really? Oh yeah, Cardinellus is a professional actor. Look up Cardinellus. will miss, miss those movie. movies. No, no, yeah. Well they weren't that good. But um and then uh Quaycoo has been in a movie and he's done some performing and stuff.
1: It's like five hundred miles or something about miles yeah. or something. And then yeah.
2: Brad Whitbeck uh, does stand up comedy in uh, in uh, comedy theaters and stuff. And so all three of these have stood up in front of crowds and performed outside of Mormonism. And now the three of them are working together uh, doing this podcast. I don't know if that means anything, but I do have questions about it. Um, but again, I'm not I'm not making an insinuation. I just would love to get. Uh, the full backstory of who supports these guys and uh, where their funds come from and uh, and how all this came together and how they have this beautiful studio and do all this incredible work and it's all volunteer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think somebody's funding them. And I think Quake, who's let it slip on occasion, like yeah. when he was talking with Jonathan Streeter on that interview, Yeah, that's probably the more good foundation yeah, that's financing a lot of this. I don't yeah. know that for sure, but and, I think yeah. somebody is.
2: And I'd, I'd love to know who that is. And in, in an effort of full transparency, I'd love to know who that is. Anyway,
1: there's that. So now we get to the next part that and that we're getting toward the end here, folks. So, you know, we're going to want to leave some time for phone calls. But this is uh, the same video, same podcast from Midnight Mormons, 20.00 to 21.50. So this is a minute and 50 seconds long. The point of playing this has to do. Well, I can't even remember what it has to do. Can you just play it and I'll figure it out as we go along? <laughs> yeah, here we go.
5: I'm saying pineal gland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So> by, the <laughs> the by the way, pineal
3: gland, the third eye. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so I responded to him posting my email to Sean, and was just like, "What a way to characterize oh, what right I now. said," and like explained myself in that uh, little text there. And he responded with a care react and said, so are all three of you actually going to attend? <laughs> like,
5: Dude, this is what this is why you have to record conversations with these people, because how dare he say that? I stared messages. right down the barrel of a camera, right? I'm not a camera of a uh, um, of our iPhone right here when we talked and said, yeah, we're all all three of us are in. This has been established for weeks.
1: Can you stop right There's there? More than any doubt in any of our minds? Can you stop right there? So Carden is saying it's been established for weeks that all three of them would be there. Now, Brad is going to try and help Carden realize that that's not really the case. In fact, in the same podcast where they called you chicken, they were all talking about how, well, they're not going to do three against one because that would favor me, right? So Brad is actually going to try and correct Carden's memory on this. And that's what he's going to say now.
3: Or anywhere I I can can see him being confused after our most recent episode about Bill real chickening out. Right. Like I, I could see him being confused about which of yeah, us just is going saying to that be we there, don't want to do, like, yeah. Okay. But, but I don't think that like wielding that as a weapon to say, Oh, well, are you all still coming? Like feels like the right tack to take when you just mischaracterized an email that I sent, well, you know, like that's, that's where I'm at. Well, is weird. The only
5: thing worse than a disingenuous anti-Mormon Misrepresenting what you say is having a podcast about a disingenuous anti-Mormon who misinterprets <laughs> what you say and boring yourself to death I in know. your own podcast. You Look get so, looking at his uh, text messages.
0: No, he's actually looking I'm up. Looking, the, I'm looking up the actual Oh, you're
5: reading through it? Yeah, yeah he's reading, reading through it. it. So anyway, like we know who these cats are. They're gonna if they misrepresent us and our exchange with them in 2021 this badly. How poorly are they going to misrepresent polygamy in 1871? You know yeah, what I'm, I'm saying? Sorry. There you go, Bill.
2: So, okay. again, you're laid out text messages. You're showing video clips. You've, you've put all this conversation up on your Facebook page. We've been, again, this is back and forth, tit for tat, and it sometimes maybe gets a little old. Um, but it seems completely obvious to me. Again, I'm biased too. But it seems completely obvious to me that these guys distort the facts, And and then we just lay it out like, oh, here it is. Here's what was said when they claim like, Hey, we don't want to go all three on. Um, I know there's been some comments about uh, Cardin needing to back away because there were some things going on in his personal life that I yes, don't see. He was suddenly
1: would... going to, ha- his wife was suddenly going to have a baby.
2: Yeah. She just found out she's pregnant. Right. So she's whatever a month in month and a half in. Uh, how many kids do you have? RFM? Five, five kids. When you're, wife wives when because you've been married multiple times right i don't it's not a polygamous joke it's you've been married multiple times and, and divorce and stuff so when you and when your wives were pregnant one month pregnant one and a half months pregnant two months pregnant with children how much did your life change
1: oh well you mean one month oh not that much
2: no everybody's still working everybody's still doing their thing and really you wouldn't even notice right
1: right and the amazing thing is the doctors had this thing called a due date they told us about
2: yeah yeah, you've got this thing that's way off in the future, nine months ahead, and at some point your belly's going to get big and things are going to slow down. You can't do exactly everything you did, and and maybe you don't like certain foods or whatever. But that first month, like, let's just deal with it. It's not not that big of a deal. Um, and of course, you're coming all the way from Washington, so um, right. It just so here's
1: seems so here's the deal that's so funny, right? First off, Brad has to correct. Uh, Carden, because Cardin's going, oh, well, this has been decided that all three of us are going to be for weeks now. why is he even asking this? I mean, you can't trust him right. if he's going to mischaracterize this and blah, blah, right. blah. Did you mischaracterize it? Well, look at the text between me and Quaku. Let's do it. That's a third set of texts.
2: Perfect. Let's uh, let's go back to those. That's gonna be interesting. And we'll see if
1: this was a legitimate question that I asked Brad in the comments section on my Facebook page. Okay.
2: Oh, let's see. That's not probably not the right one. We can say it actually
1: just- never said that they were all going to be there. In fact, they were giving every indication that not all of them would be there. Yeah. So you have this with, this is the third set of texts and this is just between me and Kwaku.
2: Yeah, I wish these guys would just be consistent. And when you misspeak, because we all do, I've misspoke. When you misspeak, just slow down. Just own it. Just operate from a point of view going like, oh yeah, you brought that to my attention. I forgot, you're right. I did say it one. This This is the day of the
1: first phone call Between me and all three of the Midnight Mormons, it's Saturday, September 25th in the afternoon when they called me and I'm cutting down trees. Can you read my part? I love to hear you reading my part. Yeah, so here. Hi, Quaku. I'm cutting down trees. How are you? What's up? And that's because they had called and I couldn't answer it at that point, so I texted him back.
2: Yeah, so Quaku, a.k.a. Dave Schmidt, said, we're calling to organize the live chat. FaceTime us in between chainsaw tree sessions. You said the live chat. You mean the debate? I tell you, I'm exhausted. He said, oh, well, we're all three together. Can you call us later? You said, I can try. Is Cardin going to come on Mormonism Live? Remember, he said anytime, anyplace. Anytime, anyplace should mean anytime, anyplace, shouldn't it?
1: Yes, but apparently it doesn't mean Mormonism Live on Wednesday evening.
2: It's the one exception to whatever anytime, anyplace means when people say anytime, anyplace. By the way, in the same vein I never agreed to a debate, did I? No, never. Never. I was from the very beginning, I made it clear to you and to everyone else I invited, I don't like debates. Mm -hmm. I I don't think they're effective from my point of view at getting at the truth. Now, you have a different point of view, and you're welcome to it, but I don't. And so I said, the only thing I want to do is have a long-form conversation where we can spend two hours on a single issue, and I can walk the logic out of what you are claiming about one problematic issue in the church. And I think that's sufficient to have you sound absurd on the faithful side of things. By the way, how many people took me up on that?
1: There's Jim Bennett, right? Bennett. Has there been anybody else?
2: There is one guy who has a YouTube channel and his videos get like 11 views and he, and you can tell he's not mentally stable. No offense to the guy. He's not mentally stable and he wanted to come on. He said, I'll take your invitation. And I just didn't feel comfortable essentially highlighting his instability and having it almost appear as if we're mocking him if we actually carried through and and push the questions
1: yeah well Otherwise, we mentally unstable you know, people have to stick together I right yeah you.
2: stephen harper said no um uh mark ashurst mcgee said no brian hales said no um in the past john lynch has said no um, so multiple, you know, people have said, no, Mike Ash has said, no, although he said he would come on when he published his book, by the way, his book is published. We should reach back out and see if he'll come on. Mm. Uh, I've got a copy of the book and you and I have talked about maybe, uh, exploring that by the way, that book is like this thick. Oh, really? So this I'm thin- a little, yeah. I'm a little overwhelmed if we're going to try to read that and then sit and have a conversation, but maybe we pick an issue or two because he's promised he would come on once his book was published or I, just, also- I, I, I might be, again, I'll slow down. I might be misstating that. He may have said, revisit it with me at that point, and I might
1: come on. Mm-hmm. So, I hope the book know. has a lot of pictures, at least.
2: No, no. It's all it's all the alphabet, my friend.
1: So, so this is still on September 26th, right? Yeah. Okay. And so it continues where he says, uh, well, we're all three together. Can you call us later? So they probably flown out to California, and we're in Cardin's studio at the time. Yeah. And I said, I can try. Is Cardin going to come on Mormonism Live? And who says, that's what we want to talk about. And I said, cool, this Wednesday work for Cardin? I think that's funny. Yeah. And so the next one is...
2: Let me get that, number three.
1: uh, Let's see. Okay, now this is October 16th. This is the day of the second phone call. So we did have the phone call after that last text on September 26th. That was the first phone call between us four. And then October 16th, now this is the date of the second phone call. And Kwaku says, go ahead.
2: RFM, we are recording today. Can we call and hash out some details today? And then you
1: respond on- This is two Can days you- later. And yeah, by yeah. the way, by Did the way, yes, because I called them. That's when they said, we don't want Jim Bennett. We want Sean McCraney. So that was on October 16th, right? Yep. And we don't, we want to have it at Sean McCraney's church. And we don't want to have a panel Uh uh, people asking questions. We want to have them crowdsourced. And I said, okay, all that stuff that I put in that initial text message to Sean McCraney, remember, on October 16th. So this is two days later after I set it up with Sean McCraney, yeah. and, and he was okay. So that's when I texted him back this message, October 18th, 3.43 p.m.
2: Great. We are set for 6 p.m. at Sean McCraney's church on Saturday, November 13th, because you handled it. Yeah. Because you got with Sean and because you decided uh, that this wasn't moving fast enough. uh, Days had passed and you wanted to go ahead and get this thing moving because this stuff takes planning. It's less than a month. It's less
1: than a month away at this point on October 18th.
2: Yeah. So um, Saturday, November 13th, Sean says he is happy to record and live stream the event. And then on the 21st, sounds great. Discussing with the boys. Friday, you asked, have you talked with Sean yet? Now, this is that same October 22nd that we were in the previous messages on.
1: Right. When I finally had to put them in contact. Yeah. And that's where the topic you can see where I said, have you talked to Sean yet?
2: Yeah. So that we have a a clear line of text messages. So there's no dispute that
1: things have been left out. Well, by the way, October 22nd. This is a very interesting text message from Kwaku because this is why it was that it was not clear at all whether all three of them would be there or only one. So he says left on YouTube. That's what the YT, he put this on his YouTube uh, video over there at uh, midnight Mormons. I think he's called like the sun King or something. It's not Quaku, but this is the comment that he left there and that he sent me the text on. Can yes. you read that?
2: So left on YouTube, sending here as well to make clear communication quote Quaku here. We agreed on McCraney location and number of other things. Carden was, is, still openly against the one versus three idea during our conversation. Hence, this was recorded moments after. Leaving this comment for record, it may end up being one versus one. Wait a minute. Didn't they say it was going to be all three of them? Carden.
1: Yeah. Carden Carden Ellis is saying this has already been agreed upon. It's going to be three versus one, and it's been this way for weeks. And so why on earth, Brad is saying, why on earth am I asking him the question whether all three will be present? And Carden saying, Yeah, why is he doing that when this has been already decided upon for weeks?
2: Yeah, leaving this comment for record. It may, and this is Kwaku.
1: Yes. It's so I'm glad you. he left the comment for the record.
2: It may, good thing he did that, huh? Yes. It may end up being one versus one on the phone with the boys now. I'm to see how they want to proceed.
1: Okay. And is that the last text there?
2: Uh, no, there's one more.
1: Okay. I think it's remember, just. That remember one. that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I just said, just make, oh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> just make
2: sure if it's only one that it's Carden. Deal?
1: <laughs> that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think that was the last one in the chain. Now, the really funny thing here, if you go back and you play that clip again, or if you just remember, you don't have to play it again. Remember what Quake was doing while all this was going on between Brad and Carden? Yeah, he's looking at his phone. He's looking at the text messages.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he is noticing that maybe they're not telling the full story. And again, they could be mistaken, but the honest thing to do when you're corrected is to slow down and to say, Hey, sorry, Carden, but what you're saying is wrong. We've been in a, because you agree with me on your disagree with me on the show at times. There are times where I share a a, a disagreeing viewpoint with you. You say something and I correct the record. I say something, you correct the record. Like that's the way that transparency works. And when you have, um, a, a level of honesty to what you're doing. So I'm going to simply note that Kwaku could have stopped the show right there for a moment and said, Hey, whoa, 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 hold on. I know it's not good for ratings. I know it's not good for our charisma, but let's just slow down. I have text messages where I told RFM that it may only end up being one of one versus one, meaning that two of us, three aren't going to show up. And it's Cardin who's, uh, in that text expressly, um, shared that he doesn't like the fact that it's three on one.
1: Yes, and now actually, now that you have uh, – now that we've gone ahead and explained everything that was going on in the text messages, yeah, could you please just for me play that clip again? It is so funny to watch Quaku. Is this the oh, – And by the way, the other thing is, Bill? Yeah. Their show is not live. No, not like ours. Their show no. isn't live. They, they- don't have – they could
4: absolutely
1: uh, – Quaku could just say, oh, here's the text messages I'm looking at. Maybe we should just edit this part out and change it up to reflect – reality you know yeah. what I mean yeah. so but they didn't do that and so I think that's problematic but can you just play this again because I love watching Quake who look at the text messages and now everybody in our audience has seen what the text messages say could you just play it again just for me please so is this it, is from nine it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you know, yeah. this is from 20 to 21. Yeah, high, yeah. yeah.
0: okay
3: <laughs> so uh-huh. I responded to him posting my email to Sean and was just like what a way to characterize oh, what right i said now. and like explained myself in that uh little text there and he responded with a care react and said so are all three of you actually going to attend <laughs> like
5: dude this is what this is why you have to record conversations with these people because how dare he say that i stared right down the barrel of a camera right i'm not a camera of a uh um of our iPhone right here, when we talked and said, Yeah, we're all all three of us are in. This has been established for weeks. <laughs> There's never been any doubt in any of our minds or anywhere I, that we published. I could see so, him
3: being confused after our most recent episode about Bill Real chickening out, right? Like I, I could see him being confused about which of yeah, us. just is going saying that we don't want to like yeah, okay. But but I don't think that like wielding that as a weapon to say, Oh, well are you all still coming? Like feels like the right tack to take when you just mischaracterized an email that I sent, you know, like that's, that's where I'm at. Well,
5: weird. The only thing worse than a disingenuous anti-Mormon misrepresenting what you say is having a podcast about a disingenuous anti-Mormon who misinterprets (laughs) what you say and boring yourself to death. In your
0: own podcast. so (laughs) We've lost Kwaku to his phone. uh, Let's hear. Let's put this back. Let me just
2: see if I can.
1: And you can keep going because he'll show it. He'll actually show the screen to the the camera. Oh, let's see. That's not the only time. That's just the flash. There's a bigger one of him on the phone later. Let me me just push play. The only thing
5: worse than a disingenuous anti-Mormon misrepresenting what you say is having a podcast about a disingenuous anti-Mormon who misinterprets (laughs) what you say and boring yourself to death. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i
3: know In your own
0: podcast so we've lost Kwaku to his phone no he's
2: actually looking <laughs> I'm up looking, the, I'm looking up the he's ex-
3: looking up the texts
2: bill I, is he doing that or is he reading the comments on the facebook page
1: i have no idea but wait, listen to what he says he says he's looking up the texts.
2: let's see here
1: Looking up the, looking, I'm looking up the actual... Oh, you're
2: uh, reading through it? Yeah, yeah he's I'm reading, reading through, it. through it. So anyway, like... So uh, this, is, this is where one of these moments where we are doing what they're not, which is I'm going to slow down and say, I think what they're referring to is your Facebook page, because that's what Brad was talking about. And I think what Kwaku is pointing at is your Facebook page, and he's reading the comments underneath it.
1: Okay, maybe you're right. Okay. Maybe you're right. But obviously, he yeah. had sent me that text yeah. before about that this guy over here, Carden is openly opposed to it being three versus one. And if it happens, it'll be just one versus one. So it really was quite a natural question for me to ask Brad on my Facebook page if all three of them would be showing up.
2: There are two different places where they are saying that it may not be all three of them. And yet here they are essentially holding to a story. And Brad's trying to kind of correct it. But he's also trying to play like, but it's not enough. It's not enough to really make a big deal out of it. When in reality, once you take into account quake text it actually is a reality that you have to follow up and make sure that all three are going to show up
1: right so now we have the last point we're going to make here and this has to do with their complaining about my posting about now at the 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 11th hour they want to change the format of the debate right with the questions being asked uh we've already agreed it's crowdsourced that um Sean McCraney going to be the moderator. He's going to be asking the questions, but now they want to monkey with that and change it around. And so let me see here. Do you have that for my notes? Should I look what, it up? What, what am I looking for? What you're looking for is the same thing. Actually, this is from, this is at the very beginning. Okay. We played the first few seconds, but go ahead to the very beginning and play it to 1.31. And Brad's going to talk. He's going to upbraid me. He's going to chastise me about
3: be on the same page that's why we're reaching out so like don't attack us and say that we're being
0: difficult when we're saying hey here's what we think we should maybe do what are your thoughts the fact that we have to go do these public podcasts to respond to the post shows that um they're not dealing in good faith
1: now here it is okay brett starts out
5: Brad, why don't you start us off on this one bro because uh you're the nicest to these people and nicest uh, yeah so tell us what's going on man Ah, uh, we got some updates from the RFM debate that's going down. Tell us what's
3: going on. All right. So, um, it looks like Radio Free Mormon is committed to posting everything on his
2: page, or at least which is how you keep an account of everything and maintain that we're all going to be held accountable to what we say and what we do, what we commit to, and so that everybody can follow along so that they understand the process too.
1: Right? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it, of course we would. <laughs> it's everything
3: that he wants to, to like make it look like we're being difficult and make it look like he's not. <laughs> <And> <laughs> okay. He, he like posted uh, the email I sent to Sean trying to figure out how we would nail down the format and tried to characterize it as though um, we are tinkering with just about every other aspect of the debate and now we're wanting to change the format and i'm like dude we didn't agree on any of this yet <laughs>
5: Like, yeah oh this is interesting yeah i haven't seen this yet because i don't follow him but look yeah it says well it seems midnight mormons after tinkering with just about every other aspect of the debate now want to change the format
2: is that where you want to stop there no no keep going
1: yeah let Carden oh, step in no- and good
2: what the- where do these guys get this stuff from brad like how
5: about we're just busy there you and go, go. there you to- go
1: there you go yeah I, good I good sort good of talked good. there. You stopped and then I talked, but if you can go back there to what Cardin is saying, because what Brad has said is we never agreed Did to the stuff- format. Yeah. And then Cardin says, yeah, where do these guys get this stuff from? Can you play that
5: this stuff yep. from,
1: okay,
2: let me, let me go back here.
5: Mormons after tinkering with just about every other aspect of the debate now want to change the format below is an email. Wait, what that, where do these guys get this stuff from Brad? Boom.
1: That is card saying. Where did these guys get this stuff from that they, that uh, they you under- want to change the format, Yeah, they
2: will change the format. I should say.
1: Okay. And now the last video clip we have for the night drum roll, please will be from the midnight Mormon show from two weeks before on October 22nd of 2021. This is a brief clip. It's from 5.27 to 5.41 two weeks before this episode Listen to what Carden Ellis says about the format of the debate.
2: So we have been, you've been dishonest or we've been dishonest about claiming that they want to tinker with multiple aspects of the format, if not all the aspects of the format,
1: right? Yeah. Well, basically they tinkered with everything and I agreed with everything except the number of people on my team.
2: Yeah. And we saw that in, in some of the text messages too, but here we right. go. These guys
5: did an say. entire podcast.
2: Oh, let me, let me make it bigger first. Okay
5: podcast saying no, you'll yeah. a bunch of dangerous individuals they've attacked a- left and right with john dylan yeah. so it's like we all have a tough relationship on this this is why it's called a debate and this is why we agree to the place we agree to the format and we agree to the time
2: yeah they essentially built-
1: oh could you go back and play that what did he say he agreed to he agreed to the format Cardin ellis cannot remember what he says from day to day yeah on october 22nd he says we agreed to the format Two weeks later, he's saying, Where did they get this stuff from? That we agreed to the format.
0: Yeah. Here we go. Ever have a bill is remember what I read to you guys on. Dude, on these guys
5: did an entire podcast saying know, we're yeah. a bunch of dangerous individuals. They've attacked left and right with John Delyn. Yeah. So it's like we all have a tough relationship on this. This is why it's called a debate, and this is why we agree to the place, we agree to the format, and we agree.
1: They agreed to the format. Yeah, it's the same person saying it. He doesn't even get to say it was somebody else who said it and not Cardin.
2: Yeah. And, and they agree to the format, but then all along the way, they're constantly saying like, "Hey, we don't want Jim Bennett. Hey, we want Sean McCraney. Hey, uh, we may not end up being three on one. It may end up just being one on one. Um, we don't want to do the questions this way, but we don't do the questions that way. It's been Sean McCraney who's jumped in and said, hey, this is the way we're going to do it.
1: Right. It's, and I was it's very not, appreciative.
2: Yeah. It's not that these guys agreed to the format. They they say they did, but the reality is all the messages show that these guys have tinkered with it all the way along.
1: No, on October 22nd, Cardin Ellis is saying they agreed to the format. Two weeks later, they're trying to monkey with the format. And Cardin yep. Ellis is saying, why is he sa- we agreed to that? Where are they getting this from that, that we didn't agree that we agreed to this? Well, we yeah. got it from you, Cardin. That's mm-hmm. where I got it from. So that was the last thing I wanted to put out there because I'm interested in facts. I'm interested in correct information. And I wanted to put that out there just so the audience can know the lay of the land, what's really going on behind the scenes. And now if we have any time, and I hope we do, I wanted to open up the phone calls because I know there's a lot of excitement about the debate and I thought maybe some people would want to call in.
2: Yeah. Let me, I got to pull it up. It's going to take me a second, but if somebody wants to start trying the dial, I will pick it up as soon as I can. By the way, there is only one line. So we take one phone call at a time. If somebody wants to reach out to me and explain to me in detail how to create a phone call system where we could have calls on hold. I would love that. I don't know how to do that. Um, I I'm barely kind of managing what, what we're doing here. And so
1: you're doing um, great. And I expect that Quake, Brad and or Cardin are watching. So hopefully one or all of them will call in.
2: Yeah. And if somebody wants to help this boomer, I'm, I welcome it. Um, (laughs) let's see here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Let me get over to another thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an inside joke for those who watch their video where like every other sentence is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So
2: it is up. I think we're running. So if somebody wants to call in and uh, share their thoughts on tonight's episode, either the coup de ta turned into a coup de gras or uh, this information about the pre-debate. Uh, we would welcome it. I, I see somebody tried to call. Uh-oh. Let's see if something's not working. And I wonder why.
1: Was it Brandon? Did you call up? Did you hang up yep. on him again?
2: No, here we go. Caller, you are the first caller. You're live on the air. Your name?
6: Nicola. It's Nicola.
2: Nicola. How are you doing this fine evening?
6: I'm doing really good.
2: Awesome, Nicola. Uh, you're on with Bill Real and Radio Free Mormon, and we're N- glad you called back.
1: Nicola, and- can you hear
2: me? No, she won't be able to hear you. Okay. Sorry. So Nicola, go ahead with your thoughts or a question and we'd love to respond to you.
1: Oh, Oh, we're supposed to do the
2: fist yes, thing.
6: Somebody made me? a
1: comment. We'll do it after
2: Nicola. I
6: hear you now, I, uh,
2: You can't hear me.
6: I can hear you. Okay. But I can't hear anyone else. You
2: okay. won't be able to hear RFM, but go ahead with what your thoughts are for the night, tonight's okay. episode.
6: I think that this whole thing is just not, it's just not crickets are saying, Britain. It's just really, really unfair that they malign you. As much as they do when it was clearly, really clearly, and you guys have put so much time into doing all of this stuff. I just think it's really terrible. And I, they've just maligned so many people. They like, when they went after John Delin that just totally ups, upset me. And if they want to debate about things, they can debate about things. But that's the way that everything goes. You'll just get attacked all the time. When you're trying to tell the truth. Yeah. And like facts are just shoved out the window and it just doesn't seem to nothing. I mean, anything you say just seems to be, they just like attack you and it's all attacks. They're not looking at facts or anything.
2: No, no. And generally, it seems like most of the time it's Cardinellis who seems to put his foot in his mouth the most um, because he seems to be the one who's just not aware of what he said moments earlier in some other recording.
6: Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just really, it's really, really bad. And it's like, it, it's upset me the most that they've like, they've gone over after so many people and yeah. it's just really, really not fair that they're allowed to do it. It's like, almost like slander. That, yeah. Like what they did to Junderlin was so not acceptable, yeah. what they did to him. And they made statements about him. And I I mean, I'm not being funny. If they're going to say something about something, it has to be true. And you have to know all the facts. And a lot of the time with anything, you can get the wrong end of the stick so easily with something. It's better to reach out to somebody rather than make a public statement about something. Because a lot of the time when you do reach out just in life and you say something to someone, they're like, oh, yeah. And then they'll tell you the rest of the the truth about what's happening. And when you can see the whole picture, you it just with anything, you can just jump down somebody's throat and say, say they said this or they said that. And you don't even know. And like, it's obvious that that uh, Carl Nelly, whatever his name is, didn't know the other half of it. And he's making facts about things. And the other guy can put him straight yeah. and it can be so you could, you could easily do it you just have to be so careful because I mean, look, you, know, you th- think one thing about something in life, and then find out when you actually talk to the person that you've got the wrong end of the stick. And like when you're doing it publicly, like publicly yeah. online or something, and you're making all these co- making all these statements about people, it can be hurtful. Yeah. And it's like damaging and it's it's slander.
2: Yeah, they've done the same thing with me recently, not to the extent that they, they did to John, but they don't realize that people have spouses, people have children. Um, when you say things and you miss the mark and you exaggerate or uh, state baseless claims and you essentially portray people as having committed some atrocity and you get your followers – who seem to naively believe what they say, when you get your followers to buy into that, you don't realize, as you're pointing out, the harm that you are causing to those people and to the loved ones around them. And you ought to be extremely careful any time you personally attack somebody making claims about their life, um, especially when those claims are baseless. So, Nicola, thank you very much. And I'm going to let you go move on to the next caller, but I appreciate so much you calling back tonight.
6: All right. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: Yes, in many in many ways, Cardin Ellis reminds me of a drunk operating a steamroller. Yeah,
6: he wouldn't
2: make a very good lawyer, would he?
1: Or a steamroll operator. <laughs> so, but but here's the deal. The deal is this: is uh, that I mean, he calls John Dolan a sex predator. He says yeah. you are having affairs on your wife. Yeah, and all said, I do multiple illicit affairs. He says though,
2: but he's also said there. He, they, I hide the evidence so well. Yeah. I hide it so well that there
1: isn't any evidence. Go ahead and take that call. I'll finish my thought while you're doing it. Please, go ahead. And yet, I mean, that they get all bent out of shape when I post the emails on my Facebook page and I suggest that maybe, just maybe, um, I'm pulling more than my share of the load and they go, they lose their minds. I had no idea these guys were so sensitive. It's like they need a safe space or something for a while just to get themselves together so that they don't have to deal with me asking if all three of them are actually going to show up at the debate because somehow that is totally off limits. That is too much for these guys who make baseless accusations that other people are sex predators. It seems a little bit out of balance to me. I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and you ought to, anytime you attack somebody personally, you ought to go to them first and say, Hey, what's, what's the deal here? What's going on here? And uh, often just in the case of like John DeLynn, those issues are much more complicated than you portray them to be. And when you take the easy way out of saying uh, a very uh, overreaching statement about somebody, you don't realize the damage you do. Uh, SW, you're caller number two. You're on Mormonism Live with Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real. What's on your mind tonight?
4: Um, I just wanted to say a word or two about these, uh, these three guys, Carden, Brad, and Quaku. Yeah. Um, So, first of all, um, it's so easy for me personally, and I'm going to assume for the rest of the people who uh, watch your show and for you guys as well, it's so easy for us to forget uh, where we were um, when we were in the church and enthusiastically trying our best to defend our beliefs. And young and dumb, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But some I, I heard someone describe once um, what, it, what it would be like if, uh, if we were two-dimensional beings, you know, that just existed in two dimensions, like on a plane. And if some three-dimensional being were to show up, we would see that thing when it, like, intersected our plane, our dimension, right? But if that thing were to, like, take a hop to the left or the right, We not having the ability to perceive up and see that thing disappear and then reappear like magic. And the reason is that we just don't have the perspective. We, we don't, Mm. we don't operate in, if we didn't operate in a third dimension, it would, it would just be impossible for us to even understand what was happening there. And I think that that's that type of perspective helps a little bit when you're talking with these guys, because they just haven't been through that experience of, Breaking down uh, all of the, you know, the whole belief system that we all held, um, and then looking at it from the outside, they, they they their minds can't go there, and that helps me be a little bit more charitable when I when I uh, watch this stuff because they do say some things and do some things that are just, I mean, I just I don't it's like almost impossible to, to understand how they see things the way they do. But yeah, thank
2: you. They're in a friend. different place.
4: Yeah, thank you. Know? you. And so, yeah,
2: that's it. Perfect
4: caller, thank Thanks you. I'll let me me you guys do,
2: thank yeah. you, my friend. Yeah. It, and it should be noted, these guys are the ones who, you know, go on the offensive. Let me let me just call her. Just hang on for just two seconds. Don't say anything, otherwise you'll be on the air. Just one moment. So, um, these guys are the ones who got agitated first. It was Quayku who came after you and me as we're talking about the Book of Abraham. It, it's it's these three guys who. Start making it an emotional battle. And what they don't realize is that um, on some level, we do have a few more years behind us. We are a little more, you better than me, but a little more methodical, a little more.
1: You mean more uh, years than you?
2: Uh, no, a little better at being uh, <laughs> with them, right? That's well, true. It's true. A, little, a little better at being calmer and being more wise in these situations. And, uh, but they don't realize, like, stop being so agitated calm down, let's just talk calmly to our audience and let's just convey an, a real conversation about what the facts really are and let's stop painting people as these caricatures of evil and bad and deceptive and all that stuff unless the actual data shows that that's true and it really better show it because if it doesn't, you're going to be shown to be having been dishonest and it would they would be better off in the long run. I think they'll find this out sooner or later. They're going to be better off in the long run with gaining an audience by being more honest Honest and transparent and authentic and owning up to where stuff doesn't work in their favor, they haven't yet learned that. And we'll see how this goes.
1: Paul in response, or, in, in response to SW, I just wanted to say, yeah, I second, do Paul. get the fact that people one second. I'm so sorry. You're good. That, Go ahead, RFM. Yeah, that that they believe I was there. Certainly you were there, Bill. I get that. The one thing that I don't get, and that I never was was a person who makes libelous accusations against others publicly even especially when it's based on no evidence or evidence they've manufactured. And so that's really the issue that I have with them, not the fact that they believe and want to defend Mormonism. God bless them for that, but not God bless them for slander, libel, all the other stuff that they do.
2: And and I'll say, RFM, I've known you now for years. Mm -hmm. Um, We we started collaborating years ago. And what I know about you is that when you say something – Almost always, you've got the evidence ready to back up what you're saying. Um, Any kind of sort of misstatement is often an innocent mistake. And when you make claims that people are doing things or things are happening or this is what's going on or here's the document, you've got the text, the document, the the information right at your fingertip ready to go. These guys got to be really careful when they start calling you and I a liar because the data almost always is going to show that either there was an innocent misunderstanding or you've got the evidence or I've got the evidence that shows that we're telling the truth and it's going to end up burning these guys in the long run. Caller number three, your name, uh, Marie, right? Yes. Marie, you are on the air with Mormonism Live. You're on with Bill Rio and Radio Free Mormon. What's on your mind tonight?
6: Well, just to uh, piggyback off of Nicola, I, uh, I'm calling into, defend the midnight mormon please and their tactics um and it basically just boils down to not having anything better not having the evidence to back up their claims and so when you are in a position where it, in a losing position frankly that's all that you really have is to go after the person i mean ad hominem you guys have talked about it before yeah. on your show um and really that's the best thing that they've got. I I really don't think Cardin can do any better.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the call, Marie. And oh, thank you, Marie. And by the way, I don't know if he can do better, but I did 12 classes at Institute back in 1989 on defending the faith, which had nothing to do with ad hominems. So if you're talking about Cardin as a person not being able to do better, I don't know. Like Dirty Harry said, a man's got to know his limitations and maybe Cardin has found out what his are. But it is certainly possible to defend the faith without engaging in ad hominem, I thought it was very interesting that a number of episodes ago at Midnight Mormons, they do an episode exclusively devoted to ad hominems, showing that they recognize and know what they mean, but then claiming they don't use them. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, And, and I get it. You and I both understand this, which is when you're in a, um, when you're having a conversation with an interlocutor where you hold one opinion and the other person holds the other and you are essentially debating or arguing or confronting each other about that discrepancy of belief of ideas held. The moment one party goes to a personal attack, the other party should automatically hold up a victory flag because the moment you start attacking somebody personally, you already indicated to everyone else in the room that you don't have the facts to uh, stand behind you and be able to win the argument on its merit. But instead, now you have to entertain the crowd or diminish the other person in front of the crowd so that way uh, they don't have to actually deal with your argument at hand, which is the weaker one.
1: Yes. As a general rule, the first person to engage in an ad hominem attack has lost the argument.
2: Yeah. And these guys do it each and every time. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? You said Jacob? I'm Jacob. Jacob, you are on with uh, Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real on Mormonism Live. Uh, you'll be the final caller for the uh, for the night. Uh, what's on your mind, my friend?
7: Uh, well, first, I'm excited to be here. Um, I have uh, maybe a quick comment sl- uh, slash suggestion followed by a question for nice. RFM. Uh, first, I'm just thinking, uh, because you said that there was uh, going to be a limited capacity at this debate, uh, I was wondering if there might be some way to set up... Uh, I don't know if there'd be like a Google form that we send out to everybody or a Twitter poll or a Facebook poll, something like that. Uh, We can just get very rough numbers just so it's a little bit easier to manage. Uh, I'm not quite social media savvy enough to know exactly what the best path forward is, but I guess just a way to help out with logistics. Is there a way to kind of anticipate numbers?
2: Yeah, I I personally don't think there is because there's two sides and those two sides have put data and information and conversation around this debate in multiple venues and platforms. So it would be near impossible, I think, to collect, uh, especially with only three days to go, to collect that kind of information. So um, I know I know it's going to be frustrating to people who show up if you're the 161st person. I get it. Uh, if you're nearby, um, maybe I'm going to ask listeners to be responsible and respectful of people who have driven a long distance and, again, promise that we're going to record this and you'll get to see it. And the best we can do is just hope that we're all good human beings and we treat each other respectfully. All right. You said your
7: question uh, for uh, RFM? Yes. Uh, so I have been looking to get into Shakespeare uh, the last little while. Love it. And uh, I know there are several different ways to, to do that. They have editions where uh, they have all of the completed works together uh, in one volume. They're somewhere, you know, there are all these separate volumes with Uh, Literary or performance notes. Uh, Some others are more uh, analytical. I was just wondering if uh, how does RFM uh, digest his Shakespeare and what editions would be recommended for someone who's just delving into Shakespeare for the first time, uh, especially something that would be uh, college student budget and library shelf space availability friendly? Uh, Just
2: what's the best way? for a total newbie to get into Shakespeare Be- before you answer that RFM, I want to ask you a question, Jacob, that sounds like a fantastic microphone you're using. What are you using my friend?
7: Uh, it is a blue snowball.
2: Okay. I just wanted I to know that for my own, one. for my own record, your voice sounds incredible on that mic. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm going to hang up with you, but if you want to turn back on your sound to the show, RFM will address you and we'll end the show. Sure. Thank, thank you. you, my friend.
1: Really quick, what I ended up doing was I got a handbook uh, that had all of Shakespeare's plays. It didn't have the plays in it. It was just an introduction to Shakespeare in which they had information about each of the plays. Because I am so bad, or at least I was so bad, at understanding what the heck was going on in these plays that I had to know before I started reading the play what was actually going to happen in the play if I was going to have any hope of understanding it as I read the play. So that was the, the, um, the handbook. So, before I'd read a play, I'd read about it in the handbook and say, Oh, this is what happens. Okay, I get it, right? And then there's a few other helps in there. As to editions, the one that was most helpful to me was the Barnes and Noble editions. They're paperback, they have one for each of the Shakespeare plays. They have an introduction by someone who's an expert on it. You can read about that. And then on one page, they have the text of the play. And on the facing page, they have helps and explanations about things in the text of the play that may and often are confusing to a modern audience. And I just found that very, very helpful to have it there, the text here and on the facing page, explanations. And then if they had long in notes, long, longer notes, those are in the back of the book. So for me, Barnes and Noble was the best. And that's that's what I would recommend. I'm excited that you wanna get into Shakespeare. It's something that you will never regret and that you will always be very, very happy that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just a
2: little note here before we end the show, somebody asked if we, if you will be steel manning their argument, and this is one of my hiccups. You get such a short time. You've got eight minutes to start. Somebody's got eight minutes to respond. You get three minutes to finish off. In a debate forum, there isn't time to steel man someone's argument. There isn't time to ask all the follow-up questions you want to. Essentially, they get to make an argument, you get to critique it once, and they get to come back and say one more thing. And there isn't the room to walk uh, these uh, messy, sticky issues To their logical end, you'll just have to form kind of, on a shorter amount of time, form an opinion on who's being more rational, more logical, and making the better argument. It's the reason I didn't agree to a debate in the first place, uh, in spite of what these guys say.
1: Right. That's the long-form discussion that you favor and that you excel at, that you had offered to them. And then that fell through because things got acrimonious between you and Quaku. And so that didn't happen. You were never part of the debate. That was me offering the debate to them. And by the way, I explained this to Kwaku on the phone. This was a call that I had just with Kwaku, as opposed to with the other three. And he understood it at the time. and went, Oh, oh, that's what happened. And I said, yeah, it could be confusing, but that's what happened. I was acting independently of Bill and Bill was acting independently of me. He said, okay, he'd explain it to the other guys. But in spite of his best efforts that he may or may not have made to explain it to Cardin, Cardin is still saying that you chickened out of the debate.
2: Yeah, in spite of the fact, like you're saying, you corrected Quaku, and he seemed to have understood. Like, yeah. oh, we did, we did pose that differently than it actually happened. But somehow, the message hasn't gotten back to the other two guys.
1: Well, it's Brad and Kwaku seem to be the more reasonable of the three, and they try and correct Carden, like we saw when he's yeah. getting things totally wrong and claiming it's the absolute truth and engaging in all sorts of scandalous and libelous. Statements and they try and correct him a bit, but generally he steamrolls right over them. That's why I said the drunk steamroller, right? He sent because an
2: email to the wrong Ellis. That's what happened. Is that what happened? No, no. Uh, Cart Quayku, when you corrected oh. him in the record, he sent the email to the wrong Ellis, some guy in Texas, I think.
1: Right, and the email problems are compounding because remember I sent that email to Quayku originally, and he didn't respond. And he didn't respond. Remember, he, he said that it got stuck. It got stuck in what his spam folder. Yeah. There's email problems that just surround Kwaku. So I think maybe he needs to have a, like an IT guy go in there and and fix that for him.
2: Yeah. If only Dave Schmidt were here to help us.
1: <laughs> I hope everybody gets that. I know they won't, but they don't. Research it. Research just, it. Yeah, years
2: them. ago, look on my Facebook page. Go on Facebook and do a search and type in Kwaku and Dave Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T, What you'll see is that Quaku, when he needed to attack people, would go under online under the persona of Dave Schmidt and would do that attack. And Dave said he knew Quaku, and Quaku said he knew Dave, but we could show that they were one and the same. Um, And Quaku to this day won't admit it, but the evidence is there for everyone to see.
1: Yes. Okay, so this is for you, Quaku L, Cardin Ellis, and Brad Whitbeck. I am looking forward to seeing you at the church. Belonging to Sean McCraney in Murray, Utah, 6 o'clock p.m. this coming Saturday, November 13th. I want all of you to be there. I expect all of you to be there. You've all committed to be there. There is no excuse for any of you not being there. And if you don't show up, any or all of you, you will never, ever live it down. And I will make sure of that.
2: And they won't be able to do this. And I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. Those, I think, would be the ones we avoid.